Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. Looking at all the division in the world is just so frustrating sometimes. Because I believe the answer is in the kingdom of God and is in the word of God and is with the people of God. Even seeing everybody fighting in the, the, the Franklin School Board thing or whatever, I thought to myself, we're so much better than that. And who makes us better than that is Christ. It's not possible. I know it's all sides and it's all factions, but Jesus actually tears down the wall. Stand with me. Because I need you. I need you. I'm not going to make it without you. You're not going to make it without me. Please stand with me. God knows I need you. Yeah. Oh, together we stand and divide. So let's build a bridge and tear down the walls. Let us respond to our brother's call. Together we stand divided. Praise God. As we uh, started this service with actually celebrating the nations and seeing all of the flags and everything, it just took me back to a time in my life where maybe I was confused about my own ethnicity and what flag I should be under or where I should even be standing. You know, I, I thought to myself, am I a color? Am I black? I'm not from Africa, but they call me African. I'm American, but am I just American or I'm just African or I'm African-American or I'm just Afrocentric? You know, there can just be moments where you just confuse. And so, you know, during Christmas time, I got the, I, I don't know if it's a DNA test or whatever, but it's the 23andMe, somebody, somebody gave me the, 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 you know, the test. And um, I, I was afraid to take it. Because I didn't know if I was ready to know something different about myself than I know now. I didn't want to necessarily have anything confirmed as well that maybe made me become reminded of my pain or my shame or, or the past and how broken it was. And I was just thinking about various uh, populations of people who have experienced different things that have divided humanity over time so that when you look at your ethnic group, at one moment you can be exhilarated and happy and cheering for what happened in maybe Olympics with a particular nation, but at another moment you can feel guilt and shame and, and high levels of disappointment, you know, digging deep into your ethnic group and your, your background. So it's like a mixed bag. And I'm wondering, like, if I take the test, will I discover something that, that makes me conflicted about me? 
if I tell people what happened, would it make me more distant or close to them? And I just didn't find the highest value in it, though I knew I could take the test and actually find some relatives I lost. Cousin Bobo, JJ, Woo Boo, Hoo Hoo, you know, all these cousins. You know you got cousins. Because if you take the test, then they're going to find out. They say, I'm coming over, cuz, cuz. Yeah, I, I just met you. Calm down. I, I didn't even want to post my results because of this. <laughs> we might as well be strangers. You know, but it's very difficult to, to take the test because the reality is it amplifies division in one sense, and we don't actually see where the unifiers are all of the time. It makes you closer to one group, but maybe uh, separate from everyone else. And so while it's not meant to do something that is divisive, for me, it was an internal struggle that, that made me just pause on it. So that was, that was interesting. Today, I think as we get into Ephesians, um, we're going to see that I believe Jesus answers this, answers this dilemma that each of us might fall into, uh, whether either we don't want to know the depths of our ethnicity or we don't, want to, we don't fully understand the purpose within our ethnicity. But Jesus can give you both. He can give you some definition and he can give you some some way, well, why he created you this way, and what is he going to bring out of that, what he's created? And so as we look at it, let me just give you a little, because we're going to be starting at Ephesians 4, let me give you a little bit of context, take you from Ephesians uh, 1 to Ephesians 3. Number one is we, we, we got the good news of what Jesus has done for man. I mean, you're, you're saved. He, he, he's kind of spelling out all of the benefits of being brought into the family of God. He's uniting uh, the world and he's bringing everybody together. And he says something quite extraordinary. But you've been saved by grace through faith. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And then he says, that's not just your vertical relationship. He talks about in Ephesians 2.19. He said, consequently, we're no longer foreigners and, and, and aliens, but we're fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household being uh, built together, built on the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ being a key cornerstone, being a, being a holy temple built together where God's spirit can dwell. Pretty cool stuff. Okay? Ephesians is just like lighting this up. Now it says, be good stewards uh, of this blessing of God. Walk circumspectively. You know, walk in this way. And then he says, don't forget that I've torn down the wall that separates Jews from Gentiles. You know, when you've seen the flags, it's kind of fun, right? But there are different ethnic groups who have done damage to other ethnic groups. And yet we just kind of celebrated and you kind of kind of you kind of got to look past maybe what a flag of pain might have been for you. Maybe you didn't look past it. Maybe you had to just ignore it like they should get that flag out. That was one of America's enemies. My, you know, you just you just you, you, you can begin to build that. But in Christ and in church is the most appropriate place to deal with the nations, pray for the nations, and, inv and invite the nations is. But it can feel impossible to actually really relate to one another. And the text that we're going to read today is all about what God set up in perpetuity, or at least until he comes back, for you to be able to deal in a multi-ethnic environment, in a blended family environment. He, 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 he's thought this through. Let's look at verse 11 and see what has he put in place to actually help with this. And he, he being Jesus, when he led captivity captive, 
he gave gifts of men. He gave. Uh, this, this word gave is, is synonymous with he received with the purposes of giving. He got victory to give victory. He claimed something back so that you could claim something. This, this is broader than just throwing something at you. This is, this is going to have purpose. This is have meaning. This is what you need. He, what did he give? He gave gifts embodied in men, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. He gave you people. For some people right now, that's good news. For other people, that's bad news because if his gift was people that are gifted or people that are anointed, they're still people and that means they're flawed. That means they could be corrupt. That means they can go left. That means you're still going to have to trust them as well as trusting God. That means that you're going to have to, God's solution to our multi-ethnic challenge of living together as a family has to do with using people to fix it. Anointed people, gifted people, people full of the Holy Spirit, but yet they're people. And I know that sometimes when we think about these grand titles, apostles, prophets, evangelists, and, 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 and pastors, we think of people sometimes who are, are, are so worthy that because they do all of the work. Well, you know, uh, uh, apostles, they go out and pioneer new works, and, and, and prophets, you know, foretell and foretell, you know, they, 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 they really give you a word for God in your life. And evangelists go out and come, call, compel people to come in and pastor, shepherd and protect the people and teachers do, do all of this teaching. These people are mighty and, and, and I love what they do and, and they're doing a good job. And their job, their doing of ministry is the answer to the multi-ethnic division, but that's not what the scripture is saying. The scripture is trying to get you and I to understand that these people are assigned not to receive a check, though we, they, we receive check, not to receive extra honor, though we receive extra honor. They are here to do a job for the congregation and that job is to equip you. That's to fully clothe you. That's to help you be trained and, and grow and develop. That's to take anything that's disjointed and, 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 and mend it, any net that's broken and, and, and fix it. It's to make you sufficient. It's to, it's, it's, it's to have you have everything you need that pertains unto life and godliness. They're there to help you stay connected to God and connected with one another and remind you that everything that separates has been torn down in Christ. That's pretty awesome. But he's not using chairs to do it. He's not using buildings to do it. He's not using um, inanimate objects to do it. He's not just using some ethereal force to do it. He's using people. He put his gift in people. Sometimes I'm I'm a gifted minister of the Lord Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit, but I'm also me. And spirit is gonna flow through a broken person, a broken vessel, a guy who messes up. That's why we don't overly praise man. We praise God. God is the only one worthy of praise in this room. But people are necessary in his plan. He anoints people. So you have to deal with some of the brokenness. But that's all right. The second thing you understand about somebody, he gave these people as gifts to you to help you, you know, be a multi-ethnic blended uh, people together but you've got to receive the gift. You know, I, I, I've received a gift before that I haven't opened. 
because I knew if I opened that workout equipment, I would have to use it. Some of y'all, somebody said, I'm going to get you a gym membership. You said, that's okay. Thank you. Because you're not going to use it. A lot of times, people don't come because they don't want to receive. So it's not just that God gave the gift. My question to us is, are we in a posture to receive the gift? As you're listening today about how the apostles, pastors, and all these people have been given to help you, to equip you, to get you going in the right direction. What are you going to do? How many times? You know, you, you have to receive it because you can hear something a long time, like you need to be in a life group. And you just know we're going to say that every other week. And you've learned to turn your ear gate off. So when we say life group, your brain shuts down. When we say you need to go to BLI, Bethel Leadership Institute. When we say you need to go to BSD, Bethel School of Discipleship. When we say you need to come to the Empower meeting on Wednesday night so that you can be equipped to win people to the Lord. Something happens to us as humans when we heard something long enough and we just turn it off. That's for those other people. You are those other people. That message is for you. It's for me. So we have a responsibility to be anointed servants of God so we could deliver a gift to you. You have to show up to receive the gift. It's not good enough to say, you know, Pastor Rice, we've got the guy who inspired the movie God's Not Dead that's reached 200 million people. Yeah, that's our guy. Great. But the point is to inspire you to equip you to reach your neighbor, your boss, your Starbucks concierge, what do we call it, uh, barista. That's what you were, right? Right, Pastor Rice, you love that. He, he can still brew up some coffee. I've been to your house, it's good. Um, no, that's not true, it was, it was good enough because I don't really like coffee, but I kind of said it was good, but it wasn't. It wasn't that it's bad, I don't like coffee. But it was good enough. I'm sorry, baby. It just it went left. <laughs> Back to the Bible. I'm going to leave you out the message in the future, Pastor Bryson. You're, distra- you're a distraction. No, I'm just... <laughs> I know. But I'm having fun doing it. But it's not right. Okay, so all of these people are given, but you, have to, you actually have to receive the gift. You've got to show up. And if you don't show up, what you need in order to keep maintain your vertical relationship and to make sure that the walls that separate ethnicities, you know what? You, you won't have the power to do it. You won't have the information to do it because there's a level of inconsistency from receiving the message that you need because they want to help you do the work of ministry. This means this work is where you want to be employed. This means to be employed or, or to give energy or to expend energy actually serving in a humble capacity someone else. Do you know that you've been designed and I've been designed to serve other people? 
you, you, you serve in the house and you serve out of the house. You know how they say the little statement, charity starts at home. Your own individual home should be served by the, by the ministry gifts of the Lord. Your, your church home should be served by the ministry gifts of the Lord. The world, as a result of that, should be served by the ministry gift in, 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 in might of the, of, of the world. So, so you're getting equipped to do something. A lot of times I know people come to church, we come to church, and, 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 and just being in the fellowship sometimes feels good, and it feels good enough. But you know that we actually have an assignment from the Lord together? Not just that we, we have to follow him, and then he says, hey, I want you to fish for men. And kind of like the, one of the benefits of all that is then we get the fellowship together. We don't want to get stuck in, in fellowship. And in fact, there's so many things that precede fellowship when you're doing the work of God. Let me give you an example. If you, if you meet someone... The Bible says when you go out into the world and you engage them in the disciple-making process, you, you, know, you know, they might need some first aid. That means they might need to be healed. They might need to be delivered, set free. They got, maybe they're in debt. Maybe they got an impossible situation. And when you meet them, you don't want to meet them telling them everything that they're doing wrong. You don't want to tell them, you know, you're broken. You know, you're ratchet. You know, you're toe up from the flow up. You know, you're making the world a bad place. You, 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 don't, you don't want to tell them everything is wrong. They already know whatever they're doing that's wrong. You want to tell them that you're coming with good news that Jesus Christ has provided solutions to whatever they have that's going wrong in their life. You want to give them first aid. You want to put a holy band-aid on them, some holy salve on them. You want to, you want to give them things they need. And when you actually deliver healing to someone, you know what they want to do? They want to hear from you. They want to hear from you. They want to hear those times when you yourself might have been broken. You yourself might have been demonized. You yourself might have been lost. And, and, and you know what might happen? If you love them deeply enough with first aid, they might allow, ask you the question and you can tell them the answer of building your foundation with Jesus Christ. And that automatically brings you into fellowship. And that automatically gives you an opportunity to help equip them to be fruitful servants in the house. You see, God said he would build his church, but he calls us to make disciples. There's no part of being a part of the kingdom of God, of the body of believers, or this church that gets you or I out of the work of discipleship. None of it never does. None of it does. No, there's nothing to do. No, well, you know, I'm, I'm coming to get healed up. We're all needing healing. We're all needing breakthrough. It may not look like it, but we all need breakthrough. I've got challenges in my life that I need the body of believers to pray for me so I can get back on the battlefield of actually going to do the work of making disciples. In fact, what makes my life better is, is participating in advancing the kingdom and doing the work of ministry. You know what our vision statement is here as a church, we want to equip, we want to equip you, we want to minister to everyone and equip you to minister. That's what we want to do. That's our, that's our grand vision for our church, is that everyone is equipped so that they can minister to anybody they encounter. That's it. This is a vision statement of the church. He says, if we do this, if the people who are anointed as pastors, evangelists, apostles, and prophets would actually do the work of equipping, you know, helping you be trained and, and, and developed, he says the whole body will be built up. He gives gifted people to equip you to minister. He gives gifted people to equip you to minister. Right now is equipping. On Wednesday night, equipping. In your life group, equipping. When you serve, equipping. When you event, when you when you're encouraged by your leaders to ev advance the gospel, you're being equipped. So the difficult questions, if you hang around long enough, the difficult questions will become easy eventually, because you'll hear the right answer over and over again. 
Let's see what the next thing is. Let's look at verse 13. Verse 13 says, how long will these people be needed until we all attain unto the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ? In other words, as long as we're here on this planet, in this broken world, we're going to need anointed people to equip us so that we can continue to grow to full maturity, so we can be effective, so we can be in unity, so we can be one. The earlier parts of this verse, verse uh, uh, chapter 4, verse 1, says he's made us uh, is one faith, one Lord, one baptism, one God of all, in all, and, and works through all. There's one hope. He's, all, he's trying to bring us into unity, but this is not possible without him. So when, what I would have liked to see in the Franklin school board situation it's not the inability for people to articulate themselves, but for the believers to articulate what is possible in Christ. It is not a sin to have an opinion, but it is, a, it is not right to not represent Christ at all, as if he has no opinion when we are his representation on the earth. Amen. You have something to say to that, but it's not to figure out where you, where you land on the side of mass, no mass, or, or where you, you land on the argument so you can fight something or someone, is so that you can say, in Christ, we can grow. In Christ, we can handle it. And we're going to be needing Christ. And this is why we stay together as a body of believers so we can have the right temperament as we go out. He says he wants you to go on to mature manhood. So if you look at verse 14, he's going to make a contrast here. You know, when you, when you fully grown and when we, when we get this right, it's mature, it's adult. But when it's not right, it looks like this, verse 14, so that we may no longer be children. You know, it's one of the fr- most frustrating things that my mom, mama would discipline me and say, quit acting like a child. Quit acting like a baby. You just need to grow up. Now, to tell a child to stop acting like a child is cruel. You're just a child. You want to fight somebody. The thing is, you want to grow up. And so that means, he said, don't be a child tossed to and fro, fro by every wind and wave of doctrine. In other words, this is the idea that you're in a boat and it's being thrown anywhere and you're out of control. And what's pushing you is other schools of thought, other ways of being and thinking somehow rock you and move you, and you can't get still. When Jehovah's Witness come to your house, you get converted. Until somebody come and help you again. When you meet, when you meet someone, all of a sudden, instead of your doctrine, the doctrines of the faith of, of lordship, baptism, repentance, you know, the laying on the hands, instead of those things actually coming to, to life in you, uh, the deity of Christ, the, the, the word of the, the gospel coming alive, all of a sudden, sudden, someone has actually put a hole in your boat and got you all rocking, got you off kilter, and now you are starting to preach another gospel other than the one you receive, that like all ways lead to God. All paths lead to God. No, God can reach anybody in any path, but not all those paths actually lead to him. He's interrupting your path. 
duende of doctrine. So you have to be taught, you have to be equipped so that you don't become bullied. You know right now whether or not you know the ABCs and one, two, threes of faith. The Bible says at the times you should be teachers, you need somebody to teach you again what be the fundamental things of the faith. Don't be ashamed if you're there. Get equipped. This is what we're designed to do. Don't, be, don't, don't sit there and let the devil polarize you or, or take on shame because you know as a believer you should be advancing the kingdom, but you just kind of look. you just in the kingdom. Yeah, what are we supposed to do? Yeah, I can't do that. <laughs> He's trying to get you to grow, not to be tossed. He said, by every wind of doctrine and human cunningness. Somebody tell you, you meet a five percenter or, a, uh, or an Israelite, you really be messed up because they smooth. Yeah, 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 I'm going to tell you who you are. He's like, that's who I am? It sounds right. They just said it good. It's romantic. And all of a sudden, you're just going to struggle internally for a long time, try to do your own research, but you can't put the Bible verses together to actually rescue yourself, so you lost. So now you can't actually do your mission. You need to get around equipping. Okay? He said, or by, by, by the craftiness uh, uh, or deceitful schemes. Don't you know that the devil himself has a scheme to trick you? He has a plan. He has a trap. He's desired you. He's pursuing you. And he wants to make merchandise of you. One of the jobs of the shepherd is to beat the wolf. Like, but if you're like a sheep, that's always running from the shepherd. It's going to be hard for him to find, with, with, you know, the wolf. He's searching for you, but you're still in peril. Okay? Stay planted in the house of the Lord. Beware of your adversary who as, as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. There is a scheme against you right now today. And the way you avoid schemes of the enemy the best is by actually living in your purpose. So he gives you gifted people who can help you uh, avoid a mess. I want to say that right. He gives, you, he gives you equipped ministers to help you grow up so you don't mess up. Isn't it not fun to mess up? He doesn't want you to mess up. Let's look at this um, final verse, not, uh, last two verses, verse 15 and 16. Here's, if we're getting equipped, and if we're paying attention to growing up instead of messing up, then it should produce a result in the way we live, in the way we function, in who we are. It should be evidence. Okay? And I believe this is some of the evidence in verse 15 and 16. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow in every way into him who is ahead, into Christ. Speaking the truth. Pastor Dave Ward talked about last week how it was people's number one fear is public speaking, but yet our gospel must be preached. 
it must be spoken about. You've got to speak the truth in love. You don't speak it in, in, in hate. You don't speak it out of frustration. You don't speak it out of anger. You don't tell somebody, you just need Christ. You know, you don't, you, don't, you, don't, you don't bring it with an attitude. You just speak the truth in love. You speak the truth with a level of gentleness and a level of grace and a level of, 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 of humility because you were reached with the same gospel. You speak the truth in love. That, that means we actually do speak out into the community. That means that a Christian doesn't mean that they're passively ignoring the bad behavior that's in society. This really focus as to what message really needs to be spoken into any situation. And it's Jesus Christ in him alone. He can solve the problem. And I know you think that everybody knows Jesus and heard about Jesus, but we're ambassadors and we are representations and we're the fully equipped ministers who are assigned to go out and to reach the world. It is our mission statement to reach the city, to touch the world. And we're always doing this work, the apostolic work of living sin, acting on prophetic words, being, doing the work of evangelists and going out and compelling people to come in, you know, saying, entrusting to other people what we have learned ourselves, according to Timothy. We, we, we've been entrusted with something and we have to entrust it to other, other faithful men who are entrusted to others. There is something that we have to do if we're actually in the functional body of believers. Remember, it takes the anointed ministers and it takes the, uh, the members who want to see to be a body that's built up in the right direction. Verse 16, it's our final verse, says, and music team, you can come back. From whom the whole body is joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. This body of believers does not need you to leave your ethnic heritage home and become something that's just nothing. You actually bring your heritage, your gender, your age into this body of believers that God said, I can equip you all to work together. I can unite you in love. I can unite you in my spirit. I can unite you in hope and in purpose and in calling. I can unite you. So this is not about acquiescing to uh, I'm an African-American person. It's, It's not saying, well, I need to become more like Pastor James. I need to become more like Pastor David, Pastor Bryson. You need to reach your maximum redemptive potential being you, adding your grace. Verse 7 says, to each of us has been given grace. They're, They're not just gifted, but it also says you're gifted. You're called. You're assigned. You know, I find myself most able to grow most able to be myself when I'm inside the body of believers. You know, when we do the Unite Prayer Walk, like on the 29th, and all of you participate for an hour, that is like a sign to the community we want to reach that our God has an answer to ethnic bias and bigotry and all of the frustration that makes people argue. We come together and we're a picture of what the world wants to do. Maybe you don't know what to do. I can tell you as somebody who's given my life full time to this, that maybe you need to show up on the 29th and say, Lord, I'm going to do this. Maybe that's your next step. Maybe your next step is to say, I'm going to come out of that frozen picture. I don't know. And I'm going to take maybe a next step and go to connect class. I'm going to get connected. I'm going to get equipped. 
That's my first step. I'm going to get equipped to get in the game. Well, I did connect class and, you know, I'm still not in. Well, maybe come to be one. Maybe come, you know, to empower. Maybe just come on Wednesday nights and get jump started again. Maybe be consistent and come every Sunday. Not, you know, maybe every third Sunday. Communion Sunday. Because we, like Pastor David said, get to look like heaven. We get an early sampling where every tribe and every tongue and every nation is. When you come to church, stand to your feet. When you come to church, you're in the front. You're in the front to the scheme of the devil who wants to keep men divided. So just like he didn't change their ethnicity, but he said, you're no longer foreigners and aliens anymore. You are fellow citizens. You have a greater heritage. He was able to do that and maintain that. First he did it and then he gave gifts of men to keep it maintained. To help you grow up instead of mess up. And to help you fully work together. Fully work together to demonstrate this. That you can grow. Fully equipped believers work together to grow. In order to be that, you know, I thought about a, a story I told you that I grew up kind of not knowing what my ethnicity was, but I was in Ghana and they were teaching us about the slave ships and the Middle Passage. And, and, I, and I was, and I guess I was looking sad and, and one of the guys asked me why I was sad. I was, you know, I was just telling them, I really admire you. You know your tribe, you know your ethnicity and, you know, and I don't. And he said, but I know who you are. And I was like, great, we just met. Yeah, tell me. He said, you are the best of Africa. He said, only the strongest made it. Only the wisest. Only the healthiest. When I see an African-American, I think of my strong, lost brother. And I thought, well, I've never thought about it so positively. I was amazed at how one person words in an earthly circumstance gave me so much confidence to live. There are people equipped in the body of Christ, anointed, gifted, to give you words that can rescue you out of confusion, out of apathy, out of just not knowing what to do. It actually can empower you through your brokenness, train you, equip you so that you're fruitful, working together, making a difference.